0: Buddy, it's great to see you this morning. Good to have you here. I've met a number of new people already today, and so we love to have new people check out our campus. It's gonna be a great morning. We are in week two, as my wife said, in this series called Why, and before we move on to Today's subject, I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. It's going to be a great service. We're going to talk about why or what happens when God does not answer your prayers. When there's something that you're going through that's tremendously difficult you know what what do you do, and why does it happen when God does not answer your prayers? So I promise you that it will be a great morning for you next week. so make that your plus one. Bring someone with you, a friend or a family member. But today, well, actually, before I get into that, let me say this. How many of you thought my wife was real sweet while she was up here? Did you think she was right? I wanted you to get to know her. But if you saw me this morning, you noticed that I have uh, a red eye. This left side of my eye is all red. I guess I wasn't carrying boxes fast enough or something as we're unloading. Uh, that, that's humor, guys. I'm just kidding. Uh, relax a little bit. Um, so she is a great lady, and we are still trying to get unloaded. But we talk about this subject today, the waiting. And we're going to look at the book of Habakkuk. Now, some of you are thinking, boy, is that a, a drink at Starbucks or what's the deal? You know, you're ready to say no whip, 2% uh, half-calf or whatever it is that you like. Well, Habakkuk is not a drink at Starbucks, but it is a book of the Bible where we learn about the prophet. And God used to speak to his people through prophets. And it's an interesting time when the book of Habakkuk was written. It's about 600 years prior to the birth of Christ. And the nation of Judah is in tremendous difficulty. It had culturally gone downhill significantly. I mean, there was treachery. There was all kinds of problems. They had gone from prosperous to impoverished, injustice to corruption and violence. And this guy, this prophet named Habakkuk, he was crying out to God and he's saying, God, what is going on? He's basically beside himself. He's confused with everything that's happened in his nation. Kind of sounds like some of us today, right? I mean, we say whatever side of the political aisle you're on, we wonder, God, what's happening in our country? And, and please do something good in America. And so he's perplexed, he's baffled, he's disappointed, and he's angry at the things that he's watching, and he's saying, God, why are you allowing this? I mean, you could stop it, so why don't you stop it? Why are you allowing all of this to happen in Judah? And basically, God says to this guy, hey, I'm listening, and I want you to know that I'm going to intervene, but the way that I'm going to intervene is not the way that you think. In fact, he went on to tell Habakkuk, he went on to tell him that not only is Judah going to suffer, but I'm going to allow the Babylonians, the worst nation in the world at the time, the most corrupt, difficult, problemed nation in the world to come in and take you over and take you into suffering. Now, how would you like that when you're talking to God about a problem? You're praying for America or some situation in your life, and you're saying, God, I don't understand. And God comes to you and says, Don't worry about it. I'm going to intervene. I'm going to get involved in your situation, and here's what I'm going to do I'm going to make it twice as bad as it is right now. Wouldn't you? Oh, praise God. I'm just loving Jesus. That's basically what happened here with Habakkuk. And he's even more perplexed when he hears the news about what God's going to do. And Habakkuk wants justice to be brought to Judah, and he doesn't agree with how God decides to do it. Now in chapter 2, we start to get some answers, and we will look at chapter 2 and chapter 3 here today. Chapter two and verse one it says this I will stand at my watch excuse me, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me, and I and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. So we're going to process that a little bit, unpack it together, and look at some things that Habakkuk was going through. And the first one is that he had to learn to listen. He had to learn to listen. It's very difficult for us to listen a lot of times. Who would be honest and say that a lot of times when we listen, we aren't listening to hear what the other person has to say. We're listening so we can know when they're about one or two words away from the ending of what they're going to say so we can come back in with the next thing we want to say. Right? So we're not listening for information. We're listening so that we can talk again. But in our walk with God, what we learn from Habakkuk is that God wants us to listen for his voice. Sometimes we just need to slow down. We need to step away. We need to step aside from as many things as we can in our lives, and just listen for the voice of God. I have the privilege many years of participating in a 48 hour silent prayer retreat for ministers. Now, you wanna talk about an act of God? Get 48 ministers in a room together and ask them not to speak at all. You know, uh, we're used to speaking. And so we get to go there, and it's 48 uh, hours, and you don't even speak at dinner time. You try and make as little noise as possible, and it's just 48 hours where we don't have to do anything but listen for the voice of God in our own lives. It's an incredible dynamic. So my question is, what are you doing to be able to hear the voice of God? How are you listening for God's voice? Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch station, myself on the ramparts, excuse me, I, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I missed it twice. Or that would be a tower. And I will look to see what he will say to me and how he will answer me and what I will give to this complaint, what answer I will give. How do you know how you're going to respond if you don't actually listen? When's the last time and what have you done to get away and get time just between you and God to hear his voice. Maybe you're into cars and... You like to get in some fancy car that you have or a motorcycle and just drive to a beautiful place of of nature and sit and and allow nature to to speak to you or God to speak to you through nature. Maybe that's how you get away. Maybe it's going to the woods. Maybe it's curling up on on the sofa in the evening with a warm blanket. and, And lately we need warm blankets, huh? Has it been ridiculous? I mean, every morning snow, uh, at least where I live. And so maybe that's what it is. Maybe you like just a, a cup of hot tea or coffee and curl up on that sofa and allow God to speak to you. However you choose to do it, you have to listen for the voice of God. I have to listen for the voice of God. And we listen not for his sake, but for ours. Can I tell you, God's already got it together. God already has it together. God already knows the plan that he has for your life and for my life. We don't have to listen for his voice so he knows or so he gets a chance to tell us because he's just so bored. You know, man, I wish I could talk to somebody. You know, man, I wish I could do something. No, God's got it all together. We need to listen for our well-being. We need to listen because he's got plans to bless us and prosper us, plans for our good, plans to make a difference in our life. And the only way we will hear is if we listen closely. Number two, Habakkuk in verse two, he wrote, it says this, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. There's something about this principle. How many times when God speaks to you, a few weeks later, do you say to yourself, man, I wish I could remember that. A new couple came up to me several years ago, about seven years ago at church, and, and they said, Pastor, we're praying about something, and we're, we've been praying that God would give you a message for us to confirm what we're praying about. And so on that day, I, I said, you know, I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord, but this is what I'm impressed on. Let God do with it what he will. She wrote it all down and she's told me several times over the years, when I'm in this situation, I go back to what you said, and it has proven true. Now, on that day, I was the voice of God. I was being used in one of the gifts of the Spirit, but my point is, write it down so that you can remember it. Sometimes that silent prayer retreat for ministers, as I referenced, I will sit there most of the 48 hours when we have free time and just write. Just write. So when I go home from that experience, I can unpack over the next weeks all that God has said to me and wanting me to move into in my life. Do we have any journalers here, people who keep a faithful journal? Praise God, that's awesome. I have a number of them that go for months at a time during a year, maybe the first three months of a year or the middle of a year, and I will journal for several months faithfully, and and then I fall off the wagon, and then I have to start again. Well, what makes me start again? It's the fact that writing it down is valuable. It's not that anyone's making me. It's that I know there's value there. It's not my natural bent, but it's a discipline that I have to bring into my life so that I can remember and chart. And even my wife and I write letters to each other over the years. We have a book that we've written some letters uh, to each other in, and some of them are written on days of of frustration, and some of them are written on days of celebration. Some of them are written on days of expectation. (laughs) I guess you know who wrote that one. But anyway, you know all, all types of things go into this book, right? And and I keep it in a place where I can go back and read it to see what's happened in our journey. And there's so much value in doing that as Christians. I was thinking of this. We know that the word says that Satan, our enemy, comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Right? That's what he wants to do. So when he puts something in your mind today that's of God, what do you think, when when God does, what do you think the enemy's going to do tomorrow and the day after? He's going to try everything he can to steal that nugget. That thing that he put in your heart, the things that he told to Mary, the mother of Jesus, that she would have to hold on to, when he was on the cross, that she would have to to claim and to say, this is true, I've given birth to the Son of God, no matter how this looks today, this is true. So when you write it down, it gives you the ability to go back and to remember clearly when the enemy comes to you like a flood and he says, no, that's not true or God's not going to follow through or whatever it is. When you can say, no, this is what God gave me. Here's the date. And when you see the date, you'll even remember where you were. And you can claim and reclaim the good things that God has given you. The third thing that Habakkuk learned was to wait. It says this in chapter 2 and verse 3, For the revelation awaits appointed time. It speaks to the end, and it will not prove false. Get this part. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come, and it will not delay. Have you ever noticed how God is almost never early? Right? That stinks. Am I the only one that wishes he was like three weeks or a month early and you could coast into this event or this situation, this financial problem, this relational problem that you know is coming and you could just coast into it and say, God's got this. He's already showed up. It's all taken care of. But God is usually not early, never late, but always or usually just in time. He's always on time, but commonly just in time. And it can be frustrating as you sit there and you ask yourself, what's going to happen with my child? How many of you have parented teenagers? Raise your hand real high. I want to know who I'm commiserating with today on this point, right? You've raised teenagers, You've said to yourself at times, what's wrong with this kid, right? And is it all going to be okay? Let's just be honest. I mean, I was the same way. I drove my parents nuts. Mark Twain says, when a child turns 12, you should put them in a barrel. And when they turn 16, er, and feed them through a knot hole. So put them in a barrel and feed them through a knot hole. When they turn 16, you should plug up the knot hole, you know, till they're about 21, So you're in these years of working with this child and and this young person and you're trying to get them to to see the things of God and you're saying, God, how long will this take? Or maybe they've left your house. Maybe they're on their own and they're just not serving God and you see the devastation of the decisions that they're making and you're saying, God, how long will this go on? You're saying, I want to remind you of your word, God, how you have instructed us to bring them up in the understanding of the Lord and and that your word will never return void, but you're waiting. Maybe it's that job that you need to advance and pay the bills. How long before your spouse is willing to reconcile? God's timing. It's not usually early, but it's always perfect. But the waiting part is so hard. You want answers. I want answers. God says wait. But Lord, don't you see my situation? Yes, I see it. And what Habakkuk didn't understand at the time or what he didn't have at the time were Paul's words that I will work all things together for the good of those who follow after the spirit and not after the flesh God's putting all of this in an oven and he cooks it all together it looks kind of yucky when it goes in right and some of us are waiting in those moments of yuck when you're mixing the eggs and the everything else to get. Well, for me, it's eggs, water, and whatever comes out of the box. But, you know, you're mixing this stuff together. You stir it up, you put it in the oven, and it's a mess. When it comes out, it's pretty awesome. And as you can tell, I eat plenty of cake and baked goods, okay? It's awesome. That's how life is. And you may be in one of those moments right now where you're waiting. King David waited 15 years from the time he was anointed king till the time he became king. Joseph waited 20 years from the time he had the dream about being over his brothers until that dream came to pass. And so waiting can be so difficult. So what do we do in the waiting? Habakkuk 2 tells us about how the justice of God will take place in Judah. But Habakkuk chapter 3 tells us what we can declare based on what Habakkuk declared while we're in the waiting time. Three words I want to give you. The first one is remember. Habakkuk 3, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in your day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Temin, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens. His praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand. Where his power was hidden. Let me tell you something. When you're waiting, the best thing you can do is remember God. Remember what he has done. We touched on that a little bit last week. The experiences you have in the past will empower you for your present difficulty. Did you hear that? It's pretty quiet in here, and I think that's pretty good. The experiences you have with God in the past will empower you for your present difficulty. Amen. It will cause you to be able to endure. Yes. When we were planting the church in De Pere many years ago, many, many years ago, we were flat broke. I mean, not a penny to our name. And my wife had a job. She was working on the computer, and the more she produced, the more she got paid. She came out one day, I was mowing the lawn, and tears in her eyes, and and I said, what's wrong? And she said, my computer broke down. And I'm like, well, just fix it, because she's techie. She's the one who, when I waited too long to fish. Fi- Fixed the dishwasher. I came home. The dishwasher was turned over. And she was fixing the dishwasher, right? Had parts everywhere and put it all back together. That's her, so I'm not concerned. And she said, no, Dan, you don't get it. Our computer is gone. And we don't have the money to replace it. We don't have the money to get it fixed. We don't have the money. I've done everything possible, and it will not start. It is kaput, right? We stood there, and we prayed. God, now, you might think this is crazy. Bring that computer back online. We got work to do, and we, we, this is our bread and butter. And we're doing a work for you. Bring it to pass. She goes back in, pushes the button, and it comes on. Okay, now wait a second. That isn't even the greatest part. The greatest part that is in, that is that all of the years past or since, I have been able in tight situations to look back even to that point and say, God is always with me in the waiting. God is always in my circumstance. It may not look like it, but God is going to come through at just the right time. And so even to this day, I don't have to get excited about it. So I can learn from those things. Because what God has done, the experiences I've had with him in the past, will empower me for my present difficulty. Number two, embrace. Habakkuk says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, And on the tree, there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my savior. Basically, Habakkuk is saying people are going to suffer and some are even going to die. You say, oh, great, Pastor Dan, what a powerful word. One of the best things that you can do is learn to embrace God in every season of the journey that He has you in. Because it may be dark tonight, but joy comes in the morning, but that does not replace the fact that you're going to go through some dark times that you've got to wait through and you're going to get pushed around and you're going to get beat up a little bit. It's just how it goes. And Habakkuk came to grips with that. And a lot of the stress, a lot of the difficulty in our lives relating to God during turmoil comes from the fact that we are still bristling at the fact that he hasn't fixed it immediately. And he's not, that kid said amen, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. That's how I interpreted it. Habakkuk was also saying it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Babylon was gonna come into Judah and it was gonna get worse before it got better. What if that's how God answered your prayer? Hey, put on your seatbelt. It's not over. It's not over. It's gonna be even more difficult. You see, we enjoy God on the mountaintops but it's in the valleys that we learn how to trust God. Did you hear me? We enjoy God on the mountaintops, but it's in the valleys where we learn how to trust God. It's God's desire that we can trust Him in everything, and God wants to give us strength. That's our final thought. Habakkuk found strength. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Christians are famous for saying that God will never give you more than you can handle. Can I say that's just not accurate? God will commonly give you more than you can handle. That's a misquoted verse about temptation. In my life, I have found that many, many times God has given me more than I could handle. But he's also given me his grace and strength during those times to make it through whatever it is that I have to go through. And so Habakkuk declares that the Lord will give him strength in this season. And he speaks of God's sovereignty As she begins to play, I just want to remind you of God's sovereignty. It means that God is in control. God is in control. He's got a plan. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He is going to bring it about. He's going to bring about all of the things that he has seen long ago before you were even born. But there are going to be times it's like you feel the ingredients are all mixed up and you're in the cooker and God is building it. What happens if you come into the kitchen 20 minutes or so after you've had a baked good in the oven? It smells good, doesn't it? And have you ever considered the fact that as you're in the waiting process, as you're in the refining fire of waiting with God, and He's strengthening you through that time, it's creating a sweet smelling aroma for God? And He says, I I see Him, I see Him, I see her, she's one of mine. That couple, I see them, they're going through difficulty. And I know that I'm going to bring them through it. I see the end product. I see the good that I have planned for them. But they can't see it right now while they're in the fire. God will give you strength for that fire. Don't quit. Turn to God. Let Him be Sovereign in your life God is on the throne a lot of times people make this statement they say God is still on the throne can I tell you something I don't like that statement because it gives the impression that at some point maybe God won't be but God is just on the throne and he is always going to be on the throne Whatever you face in your life, it's not like the throne gets shaky. It's not like, you know, maybe he's going to fall off based on your circumstances. God just is. And call out to him, whatever your need is, say, God, you've done it before. Do it again. And we can trust that God will do it again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that when we walk through difficult times, when we're in this waiting season, that you're there with us. That even though on certain things it may get worse before it gets better, you're there. Help us to listen with open ears. Help us to stop making our complaint about why you're not changing it in our time frame. And allow you to be sovereign. And do what you want to do when you want to do it. Understanding that that road will at times walk us through difficulty. Empower, comfort, encourage people who are in the waiting process today. Amen. Here's what